Glennon Doyle Melton is the author of the New York Times bestselling memoir, Carry On Warrior, and the forthcoming memoir, Love Warrior. She is also the founder of Momastery, an online community reaching millions of people each week. She is the creator and president of Together Rising, a nonprofit organization that has raised millions of dollars for families around the world through its Love Flash mobs, which have revolutionized online giving. Glennon is a sought-after public speaker, and her work has been featured on The Today Show, The Oprah Winfrey Network, NPR, and The New York Times. Glennon currently lives in Florida with her family, and she joins us in this episode of Let the Music Play as we discuss coming to know crisis as an invitation and how we can confront the pain to claim the beauty and the whimsy of our days. Hi, I'm Ashton Gustafson, and this is Let the Music Play. And um, for me, I mean, what's left, been left over every time is, is my faith and my hope and my love. And, I, and what I've figured out is that you really do have to allow yourself to lose everything if, if you're going to become the person you're meant to be. Like, it's crazy that what life requires of us to grow. It's amazing. It's like, it's like letting go of the monkey bar in front of you and you have that moment of free fall till you get to the next one. Like, you, you have to let go to move forward. Hey guys, Ashton Gustafson here and welcome to another episode of Let the Music Play. This is where we chat about what it looks like what it feels like, and what it means to make music with our lives, our relationships, and our careers. We have uh, an incredible treat today that is joining us, uh, a woman that has been a gift to so many. Uh, She carries an incredible energy of love with her in everything that she does. You may know her as Mama Stary, uh, but for some of us, we may know her as Glennon Doyle Melton. She's the author of a new book that's coming out, Love Warrior. It releases September 6th. And Glennon, we are thrilled you are here. Thank you so much for joining us today. Ashton, thank you for having me. God, I love the whole concept of your podcast. How original and beautiful and wonderful. Oh, you're sweet. You're sweet. Well, I I tell you, you know, it's one thing to read someone's work and and hear about their insights and the and the stories and the roads that they've walked in life. There's no doubt that I believe that you share uh, all if all of the values that all of us here at Let the Music Play have. We are so excited to have you here today. And really, I just want to introduce people to you and your story, uh, and hopefully we can leave here with more hope, more love, and more whimsy. How's that sound? Ah, love. I'm writing that down. Okay. More hope, more whimsy. What else could we possibly need? Bam. Love. That, that's, what, that's all we need. I love it. So, um, do, you, do you have, you know, when someone says, so, Glennon, what do you do? Because um, I, know, I, know, <laughs> I know you're a mom, but you're a writer, blogger, speaker, um, to just introduce us to you and maybe the work that is Momastery. Okay. Well, Ashton, I think, I mean, I guess the best way to describe it is I'm, I think my job is just to um, experience my life hmm. in, in, in like the way an artist does, right? Like pay really, really close attention. Um, I think that's what an artist is supposed to do. We just have to pay closer attention than the average bear, right? And notice things that other people might be too busy doing, like responsible things to notice. (laughs) And, um, and then we have to report it to the world, right? In our unique, beautiful way. Um, and so that's what I started to do as a writer. And then what I think what happens when you start really paying attention, especially to people is that you just fall in love. Yeah. You know, I just really the closer attention I paid to the people around me and my readers and the community and the world, I just kept falling deeper in love because I think that's what happens when Mm. we look close at each other, you know? And so then that's how the activism started. I think any artist who's really um, doing their work kind of ends up in the service lane. Right. (laughs) Because it's kind of like all gifts lead there, right? Right. So that's how um, Together Rising and our nonprofit started. It's just falling in love with my community. But I really just started writing um, Ashton to get sober or to stay sober because I uh, got sober 14 years ago. And then it was when I found out I was pregnant that I got sober. So I immediately just had this like Insta family and it was stressful and hard. And I felt really alone and scared um, because nobody was talking about how hard it was. Right. And so I actually was desperate for a place to be really honest about all of it. And that's why I started writing 
And so I just started writing on Momastery about the things that people don't talk about, but we need to talk about, you know, like pain and addiction and shame and the tough parts of relationships. And I guess what happens when you decide that you're a truth teller is that like life keeps happening to you and you have to keep telling the truth about it. <laughs> right. Which is a freaking disaster. Which, so No doubt. Yeah, so the love warrior came around because I I was in that side of that marriage and um, family, and I had three kids, and my career was taking off, and been married for thirteen years, and then one day in therapy, my husband told me that he'd been unfaithful to me our whole marriage. Mm-hmm. So, and I just Ashton, I I did not see it coming. Mm-hmm. Like I was clueless, which I don't know. I always thought people who said that were maybe a little slow, but <laughs> I. <laughs> really didn't know. And right. so, and so here's this, this like crisis that life gave me. Right. And I decided for a long time not to write about it because it was just too brutal and too painful. And then well, I was writing this journal one day just to kind of process my feelings and thoughts because well, I couldn't do it any other time because I was a single mom suddenly and I just didn't even have time to breathe. And so I'd get up super early and just write in this journal, try to process what the hell was happening to me during the separation. And I sent a few pages to my editor one day, and she was like, you have to publish this. Wow. And I was like, well, no, (laughs) no. Um, But I kept thinking about it, and I was like, God, the only reason I wouldn't publish this is because of shame. Mm. You know, because I'm ashamed of what happened to me in my marriage, like, I'm ashamed that I was supposed to be this like relationships expert and I had no freaking clue what was going on in my own house. And I'm ashamed of the sex stuff and I'm ashamed of the porn and I'm ashamed of all of it. And then I just remembered that like shame is just, it's just a lie, you know, mm-hmm. like especially, and it's so important for addicts like me to remember because shame is what takes us down. Mm. You know, it's, it's not like the pain. It's not the pain of life. It's the shame about the pain that takes us out of the game. So I just decided like, this is shame is either true or it's not, you know, if it's not true for my alcohol and drugs and booze stuff, it's, it's not true for this sex and marriage stuff either. Wow. And if, if it'll set me free, it'll set other people free. So Craig and I had lots of talks and we just decided to publish it. And that's how Love Warrior came into the world. Wow. Well, it's incredible. Uh, your, I mean, you, uh, your vulnerability, your honesty, and your integrity in, in some of this stuff, um, it'll make you laugh. It'll make you weep. It'll make you set the book down for a minute and just look out the window and think. I mean, it. it I, I think when a book can give you a full body experience and then send you out into the world with vulnerability that leads to more love and more hope, then my oh my, that author has done his or her job. And that's totally the experience I had with those words. Oh, geez, Ashton, thank you. There's nothing better you can say to me. Nothing better you can say to me. Well, beautiful. So um, really, really to our listeners, you guys need to um, order it um, and, and, and just get ready. Put, put a seatbelt on and get ready because... Uh, it is true. It is beautiful. Uh, it's rough, but it's true. Uh, and we're grateful for that. So um, let's back up just a little bit here. And and, and I really want to get into kind of how you discovered this gift that you have and this voice, because um, you, one day you go online, you log into Facebook, and someone says, hey, tell I think it was 25 things about yourself or something like that. Um, And then you just go, okay, well, that's, that's easy. I'll tell you 25 things. And the next thing you know, umpteen thousand shares later and your inbox is full, something in those words, the energy that you were putting out there, people were like, oh, you too help. Uh, Can can I be, can I be a part of this community? You want to share on that? Yeah. So that was just on my personal page, Ashton. I, I felt like that was during my fearful time when I was just like dripping with babies. I had three babies. They were all little and I was so stressed out and struggling a little bit in my marriage and um, was really just so annoyed that the only place on earth I could find to tell the truth was AA, you know, like I felt like why that's 
the best place in the world, but like, why can't we do that everywhere? You know, mm-hmm. why can't we just freaking be honest? Um, I feel like, like claustrophobic, like I was always acting like everything was perfect and I don't know. And, and, uh, so one day I was passing my computer and yeah, my friends on, on Facebook were doing this thing called the 25 things, just list 25 things about yourself. So I don't know, something in me was like, oh my God, like this is, this could be my, I mean, God, Ashton, especially as like a parent of young kids, it's so isolating, right? Mm-hmm. No one can see you. You're just like stuck. And, and I, I felt like maybe this is a way to, to reach out, like reach outside of my house and have some freaking honesty and connection. And so I sat down and typed out my list and yeah, when I came back, it had been shared from my personal page, all of these bazillion times. And, and I had a million emails and this is what happened. So I'll just give you an example cause it's easier. So my number six was, um, I'm a recovering food and alcohol addict, but I still find myself missing booze in the same twisted way. We can miss those who repeatedly beat us and leave us for dead, mm. which is so true. It's exactly wow. how I say. but here's my friend Lisa's number six. <laughs> my favorite snack food is hummus. <laughs> so right. this is when I freaking realized that like, oh my God, we aren't doing that here right you know like this isn't what this was about which makes me so annoyed because why do we bother telling anyone about ourselves if we're just gonna like stay on the surface with all of this bleh. that's right let's go yeah so i mean I, ashton i seriously think that's why we're all so lonely mm. because we stay on the surface with each other and like we talk about you know our favorite food and our houses and our like whatever. And, and I think that that kind of stuff is different for everybody. Mm-hmm. So we end up feeling alone, but when you go actually down 12 layers deeper, you know, it's, and you actually bring up the shame and the pain and the love and the joy and the loss, that's the stuff that's all the same for everybody. It's me too. Yes. Yeah. So when you pull that, it's like this leap of faith, right? Cause it feels scary. But when you pull that stuff up and show it to people in safe ways, um, everybody goes me too. And then you feel braver. Wow. And like cozier on there. So, so anyway, that's what happened. Well, first I wanted to die because I was so embarrassed that I really <laughs> should have freaking read the other people's lists before I did mine. Um, but then I started opening those emails and oh my God, they were from people who I had known my whole life, but I had never really met. Wow. Wow. So they were bringing to me their stuff, you know, like the real stuff that the stuff we're thinking about when we're saying other polite, like sensible things. The stuff that keeps us up at night, you know, the stuff that like the heavy stuff that we were actually meant to help each other carry. Right. Right. So that's when I was like, I could do this. I could, this is like, this is this truth telling thing. It's like a key that can unlock people. This you is know? a, thing. I, this, yeah, is, a this, thing. this is a path. This is something it's I need to keep going down. Yeah. And I remember like telling Craig, coming home one day and saying, you know what? This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a truth teller. Like my whole hmm. life, I'm going to do this. And he goes, do you have any other marketable skills? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, no, that's the thing. Just this one thing. Yeah. We're going to go with it. We're going to go with it. So that's how it started. I started Monastery right after that. Well, that's beautiful. I, I think I'm going to start using Truth Teller in lieu of author. Um, Perfect. Because I, I think that's the role. If, if you're going to go to the keyboard or pick up the pen, um, what are we doing if it isn't the truth? Ashton, exactly. Like, I feel that way. I feel that way about artists and musicians and writers. I feel like if you're you're not going to give us the stuff that you're hiding, the stuff that you're protecting, like your most vulnerable, truthy truth, then don't give us anything. Right. And at the bottom bottom of that well, I'm scared, I'm lonely, I'm guilty, I'm shameful. It's one big humanity ocean of me too. Yes, join yeah. the club. Yeah, That's let's why go. Music. That's why we read. <laughs> That's why we do all of it so that we can have somebody else tell us that stuff so we don't feel alone. Wow. So good. So if you're an author out there, tell the freaking truth. Just yeah. tell the truth. That bring that let, let's not chat about differences. Let's let's hold hands in this thing and tell some truth. Beautiful. Yeah. I'm loving and this I, is so much I remember, fun. I remember when I was trying to decide whether to publish Love Warrior or not and I was so scared and I I thought, okay, I can choose not to publish this. I can choose not to like write it and put it out there, but then I have to quit writing. Right. Because you don't get to like have the universe hand you this kind of story. Wow. When wow. you are an artist and, and turn it away. 
Wow. Man, so good. Um, so connecting some dots, I think, in, in both of the books you've, you've written, um, and totally correct me if I'm wrong, but as an outsider looking in, it seems as though that really that initial rock bottom, that, that first rock bottom moment for you was at 25 on the bathroom floor when you did find out you were pregnant. Yeah. Um, and you, you've page by page, you, you kind of revisit that. Um, and that's, uh, it was, it was, man, it was dark, but it was, it was also this incredible awakening. It seems like for you, uh, yeah. an awakening of who you are at the soul level, an awakening of your divine worth. Um, and yeah. it seems like everything changed for you. And what I what I really wanted people to hear was, in that moment, um, you understood what at the time was the worst thing. Uh, you turned it into becoming an invitation that could get you to the truly, the, the full life that you were after. And I just want to read this and then let you run with it. Because you write in Love Warrior that this is an invitation to allow everything to fall away in order to be left holding what can never be taken. The, this is an invitation to allow everything to fall away in order to be holding what can never be taken away. And so in that moment, and you, and you call it sifting, and I want you to walk through that too. Um, maybe, yeah, where do we go? How do you want to run with that? that? You want to just share that story with me? Yeah. I mean, I think I've had a, few moments like this in my life. It seems to go on cycles, maybe like every five years mm -hmm. where um, I've built up this life, right? Like right. this identity. I mean, for a while for me, my identity was drunk, druggy, bulimic. I was a bad girl, you know, um, whatever that means. I was a bad girl. And that was my identity. And if you, if you can't figure out how to get a good identity, you just get a bad one and roll with it. You know, <laughs> that's, that's, that's what we do. Um, so, so that's what I was for a really long time. And then and I was so sick. Oh my God, I was so sick. I was definitely almost dead. And I found myself actually on Mother's Day, sitting on the floor of my bathroom, just shaking and holding a positive pregnancy test. And look, there was no worse candidate for motherhood on the face of the earth. Like there could not have been. And still something about that test just read to me as kind of like an invitation, like an invitation to, mm. to come back to life, you know? And, um, and, and, and so, and, and I mean, it was the worst, right? Like be, being pregnant at that time was probably mm -hmm. in some ways the worst thing that could have happened to me and also the best thing um, because it forced me to shed those identities. It's like every, it was an eviction from my life. Mm. It was an eviction. It was like you right now, right here and now you decide, are you a bad girl? Wow. Is all you're ever going to be an addict or are you going to trust this invitation that there's something better there for you? That, that you're more than that, that you're different than that. And, 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 and I, I just said, okay, like, mm -hmm. I just said, okay, I'll, I'll see if there's something better for me. And so five years later, when, uh, you know, I built, I built, I was a mom, I became a mom, I became a wife, I became a writer, I became a career woman, I became a speaker, I became all of these things. And I thought that was awesome. You know, I thought these were who I was. Like, I thought that, um, you know, my, my people were proud of me and people were telling me I was great and I was so cute with all of my babies and my what, my, my husband and all of these things. And, and then again, again, this crisis comes into my life with this whole news of the infidelity. And, mm -hmm. and once again, I was literally on a bathroom floor wow. after therapy, sitting on a bathroom floor again. And I was like, oh my God, here we are. And so I just had to, I mean, all we can do is fall back on our past experiences and remember, you know, remember that like that first eviction from my life was also an invitation to a truer life. And so I, and a truer identity. And so I just had to, to, to trust that this eviction, though a million times worse, um, would also be an invitation hmm. to a truer identity. And, and it is, it has been without a doubt, because I realized I was putting so much I was putting all of my identity inside these roles I was playing. Right. You know, like, I, who are you? I mean, you ask a woman who she is, she will tell you who she loves. Hmm. I'm a wife. I'm a friend. I'm a sister. I'm a teacher. I'm a, I'm a, a, a mother. And, and that's amazing. That's how the world goes around. But that's also why women live in such fear. Because right. 
if you put your identity just as wife, then what happens if he leaves? And if you put your identity just as mother, what happens when they go to college? You know, it's like we we are we are identifying ourselves with things that will always be taken from us. Mm-hmm. So I decided, like one day, and six months into all this crisis stuff, like that's it. My my identity is child of God. That's it. Right. Like for, that's what I came in with. That's what I'll go out with. Um, it will mean something different to me every year because my faith changes every year. But like. That's uh, that's the only thing that can't be taken from you. That's what I mean by sifting. It's like that word crisis literally means to sift. Right. Like that's what it means. The so, only thing left is what yeah. truly matters. Yeah. So it's like, so when crisis comes into our life, we're like those kids who go to the beach and we lift up the sand and watch all the sand fall away, hoping that there'll be treasure left over. Mm-hmm. And that's what crisis does. It, it sweeps into our life. And it forces us us to hold our lives in front of us and watch everything we thought we needed fall away. Mm. And and then we find out what's left over, right? And um, for me, I mean, what's left been left over every time is is my faith and my hope and my love. And I and what I've figured out is that you really do have to allow yourself to lose everything if if you're going to become the person you're meant to be. Like wow. it's crazy that what life requires of us to grow it's amazing it's like it's like letting go of the monkey bar in front of you and you have that moment of free fall till you get to the next one like you you have to let go to move forward mm-hmm. and my friend sent me um this quote that that I kept by my desk that whole time and I still do now when I'm in a new crisis and it said um I can fall because the one I'm becoming will always catch me wow and I love that so much. We, we have to trust the, the people we're becoming because they've never dropped us. Mm-hmm. That's a beautiful mantra. Can you repeat that? Um, I can let myself fall because the one I'm becoming will always catch me. Wow. And so from your experience with the lowest of the low moments, crisis hits and everything sifts and what's left is Glennon before Glennon had a name? The 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 Amen. The child of the divine, the one yes. who is at your purest level, love in its purest form, a reflection of the divine. And it seems as though ye as as one guy said, you gotta lose your life to find it. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think I someone said that before. So listen, Ashton, but I was trying not to get too Jesus be honest. Like, oh my God, yes, like that is who that is how that is the truth. For it's me, the path. It's the path. That's what's crazy is the path is massive identity loss leads yes. to beautiful identity recovery and unveiling. Oh my God, it's like we're those Russian nesting dolls, you know? Mm. And like. Life just every few years just has to like take another one off, right. take another one till you get to that little teeny one that's like, that's, that's it. That's solid. That's solid one. You know, that's the one. And like, I really think that that, that's why people who really surrender to crisis, yeah. because you, I mean, you can, you can get your, it's an eviction notice, right? It's whatever comes into your life that evicts you from your life. So it's the diagnosis or it's the phone call or it's the betrayal or it's the accident. It's whatever comes in and like divides your life into before and after. That's the rock bottom. That's the eviction. And some people don't surrender to it. And if you don't surrender to it, your house will get burned down anyway. Right? Like you have to get out. You have to surrender to it. And then I think that's why people who who um, do rock bottom right are the brave ones hmm. and the, the wise ones and the, the ones who are able to laugh at the days to come because those are the ones who know that the way this wild life is designed – is that the only things we really need are the same things that we can't lose. Wow. wow. So though that's why those people have that fire in their eyes, right? Yeah. That's why they that's why you're around them and you're like, why is she brave? Right. Because she's not afraid. Because right. she knows nothing she needs you can take from her. And and wouldn't you say that and I'm and I'm speaking from my story of Four years ago, when I had my rock bottom moment, adrenal fatigue, total burnout. Um, On the other side of this, um, there's like this beautiful quiet 
where yes. where the noise the noise just stops and you go there's there's only there's a lot to take in but of what we're supposed to be taking in here there it there's really only just a few beautiful things uh, um and it's people yeah. and it's our own presence um and yeah if you want to take it out on social media and you want to go do all that and and whatever is fine but there's it's like you recover the beauty of the present moment um uh, after you can get through that would you say you've had the same experience oh my god like Exactly. Yeah. Exactly what you just said. To the point where after all, I went through all of this, I got the, this. I got "Be Still" tattooed on my arm because. Let's go. I learned that like during that time, that's all I need. That's all we it's, need. It's not outside. No. It's nothing I need is outside. Like it's so simple. Yeah. Like love, peace. That's where the joy is. Like just be still and know. And this is the software you came preloaded with to Earth. Yes. yes. So, so Ashton, what it really is, it's like it's an unlearning. It's an unbecoming. It's, there we go. Right? It is totally, totally. Yeah. And and I and I've you know, and it seems like there is so much out there that people will you know we're we're fed, and people don't mean to lie to us. I don't want to say we're fed lies, but like society and culture will convince us that there's all of this stuff that we have to go gather. Yep. Um, but but the truth is, if it begins at you're loved, everything's going to be okay. There's nothing left to prove. Be still. Um, it's su- the, the serenity covers your days uh, yes. with that posture. So t- talk to me about unlearning uh, and oh. and and some of the things that you've had to learn about unlearning. Yeah, I mean it's just what you said. Like it's like. It's, there's this simplicity, Rob, my friend Rob Bell calls it, it's the simplicity after the complicated, right? Like no you doubt. go through all of this stuff and it's like, you don't understand any of it and you're trying to, and then all of a sudden it's so simple. And, and I, the simplicity for me was like, oh my God, like, why am I so miserable all the time? Why mm-hmm. do I never feel like I have enough? I ha- I'm not enough. I don't have enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not skinny enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not successful enough. I'm not a good enough mom. Like, where is all of this coming from? Mm. Well, it's so freaking simple where it's coming from. Like 90% of <clears throat> every single message that we hear in our lives is from advertisers. Right. Once you right? have so, this, everything will be okay. Oh my God. It's their entire job. Like they're doing a kick-ass job. Like their job, they like literally sit in, in boardrooms and their job is to pump lies through the air, right? They're, we're, free, we're canaries in the coal mine. Like they, they, their job is to pump lies through the air that tell us we're not enough because the worse we feel, the more we buy. And that is just a fact, Jack. That's, wow. it, that's not complicated. It's as simple as mud. It's the more, especially women, my God, but guys too, it's just, they buy different things because, you know, a guy's successful if he has these things, a woman's successful if she has these things. And so we don't know why we feel bad because we haven't figured this out, that the lies are, are being pumped through the air. So we just keep consuming and consuming because, you know, God forbid we could find out that we're not just angry and sad and depressed because there's a lot to be angry and sad and depressed about. Right. No, we're angry and sad and depressed because we don't have these like countertops, right? Or the, these like jeans. Or, or the cruise. Right, or the cruise that our neighbors are taking. Like, so we just keep consuming and consuming because we're trying to find happiness. But the thing is that we can't ever get enough of what we never really needed. Hmm. Right? Wow. But... Ashton, it's a really good way to run an economy. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. And that's why they say you can't serve God in money, right? Like, you you have got to decide whether you believe big business or you're going to believe the spiritual world. Mm. Because the spiritual world is telling you none of that's true. Yeah. You're good enough right now. Like, right now, exactly as you are. And you can go on that hamster wheel your whole life, but the problem is you'll never feel better. Hmm. And just to riff off of what you were saying on this scarcity conversation, um, once you do arrive on the side of the simplicity after uh, what was difficult after the rock bottom, don't you also think that the next way you see the universe is through the lens of abundance? Yeah. And you walk into your moments of like, oh, there's there's plenty to go around 
and that thing of love that you didn't think there was going to be enough of, oh yeah, that, that thing never ends. And joy is infinitely deep and hope is infinitely wide. It, it's like this massive shift happens when you can arrive on that side of simplicity. Um, and man, what a redeeming posture to walk through your days with, to leave such the, the, the crummy lifestyle of scarcity mentality and arrive on the side of abundance. Yeah. And that's real. I guess to me, that's like what real activism is, right? It's right. like living in a way where everyone who touches you or, or crosses your path can like actually feel your peace. And, and Ashton, yes. look, I'm not the freaking Dalai Lama. Like I still <laughs> flick people off in my car. Like I, I am just a disaster a lot of the time. So I would just make sure you know that what I think is that no matter what we learn, I feel like I'm like the spiritual equivalent of Dory from Finding Nemo. You know, it's like I learn all these things and I'm like, I am loved. I'm enough. Everyone's loved. I'm a child of God. Everyone's a child of God. And then the next day I wake up and it's all gone. Like I forgot everything. So I think that is why the be still is important. Like that's the why you have to find some kind of practice each day where you can come back to the truth. Right. And, and that always for every spiritual being has to do with quiet, yeah. you know, whether it's like the woods or, or, or just sitting on your floor like I do because I'm not an outdoorsy person but, or the beach or whatever it is, because the lies are in the noise. The, the lies are in the man-made noise. Right. Yeah. And the truth is in the silence. Yes. So it's OK to lose it. I mean, I lose the truth a million times a day. You just got to remember how to come back to the quiet so you can remember it. I mean, remember is the first, the most repeated phrase in the Bible. Remember. Totally. Remember, remember. and then do not be afraid. Exactly. That's how we don't be afraid, though. Yeah. Because, the, the, because the, the, the main message of the world is be afraid. Right. And the main message of silence is don't. Be afraid. You're going to be left out. There's not enough. Yes. Everybody's after you. Everybody, everybody. I mean, the fear, the fear mongering right now is so, it's so dangerous, you know, and all anybody has to do um, to put that behind them is just get really quiet because that's where the truth is. Yeah. Wow. So um, I think one thing that you get in stillness and solitude in the quiet um, is before you go out into the noise, because let's face it, the noise isn't going away. Culture's not fading away. Society's not going to change. This this is our generation's battle, um, is finding serenity, peace, and love in the midst of all this. Um, let's talk about bravery. Um, and and I love how in, in one of your entries, in uh, one of the chapters uh, in your first book, it was called Brave is a Decision. Uh, and the reason this hits home for me, I dropped my kindergartner off last week um, uh, for, for the first time. And, uh, and my wife and I, this, this, is, this is crazy emotion. Like, and I don't think we've yet wrapped our hands around uh, everything that's going on when you do that. Um, this, this five-year-old, you've had 15, 1800 some odd days with them, and then you, it's like you, you release them. Um, and I love this letter that you wrote it to Chase, right? Yes. Um, yeah. so, so you write this letter to Chase. Um, and I may, uh, I may end the podcast later with, with this letter because it's so beautiful because I think it, it reads us just as much as it reads um, to Chase or to whatever child you may present it to. Um, but you want to share kind of what happened that, that day, that moment uh, when you wrote that letter and you wrote that entry? Yeah, so I was um, my little guy Chase, my my son, the one I found out about on the bathroom floor. <laughs> um, he was, I think he was going into maybe second grade at the time, maybe third. Um, and I was laying in bed thinking about what I wanted to tell him. And I was actually thinking about my regrets from the past. And I don't have a lot of regrets, even though I've done like every jacked up thing on earth, um, because it all got me to where I I am. But my only regrets really come from. Like leaving, leaving, unkind, leaving kindness on the table, like not wow. extending kindness to people when, when I could have or should have. Um, and so I was thinking about this little guy in my class when I was in third grade named Adam, who was just different and um, in lot, he was different in lots of ways. And, and I don't remember anyone being super actively mean to him, but I do remember him just constantly being left out. Um, and I also remember feeling like I should do something, like wow. I should sit with him, I should do, and not doing it. 
And I think we all have this, like we all have a picture in our head right now of who this person is. Yeah. I think we've all had this story. Because we all have an Adam, right? And yeah. like, and it just kills me because as an adult, you can imagine like what, how easy it would have been. But it's not easy as a kid. And you know what? It's not easy as an adult to reach out to somebody who's different than you because it's such a risk. It's like, it's like differentness is contagious. And like, we all just want to lay, you know, go under the radar. And the second we extend ourselves to somebody who's not in the in crowd, um, whether it's in third grade or in our neighborhoods, that's putting ourselves at risk. Mm. And um, so, so anyway, I just wrote to Chase about Adam and I told him like what I knew about Adam and what I didn't do and what I wish I had done. And, and I told Chase that the thing is that the world will try to, it's like those lies that are being pumped through the air about how to be a successful woman. You know, there are a lot of lies being pumped through the air about how to be a successful kid. And I told him, I just, his dad and I, we don't care. Like we want him to try, but we actually don't really care about the tests. And I mean, it was a teacher, you know, I mean, I'm right. You were there. Yeah, I but I don't, we just don't care. We didn't care if he's the best at, at sports. We don't care if he scores a bunch of goals. We don't care if he um, gets into a great college. We don't, but what we really just care about, we don't send him to school for that stuff. We, we sent him to practice what we've been teaching him at home since he was born, which is just to be kind and to be brave. You know, we tell them all the time, like, be brave because you're a child of God and be kind because everyone else is too. Mm, It's like this double-sided coin, you know, like you can't have one without the other. And a lot of people have one or the other and it just doesn't, it's not the way to be in the world. So, you know, I just told him that brave, we want what we mean by brave is not a feeling you wait for. It's not like, oh, I did it because I felt suddenly felt brave at the time. It's a decision that you make that compassion is more important than whatever fear that you have. That compassion always overrides fear. That you can feel fear, and you will, every second of every day, but it's not the boss of you, right? Like, it's this yammering in your head that your job is to override your entire life. Love overrides fear. It's like a game of rock, paper, scissors, and love always wins. So you you hear that fear voice, and then you choose compassion. And what compassion means is not pity, right? Right. It's different. Pity is lazy, right? Pity doesn't risk itself. Pity just sits around and feels bad and talks about how bad it feels, and nothing ever happens. But what compassion means is your pain in my heart and back out through my hands. Wow. Pity just stays in my heart. It helps us not at all. But compassion uses my pain for you as fuel to actually reach out and make a connection. Wow. So uh, that's what that letter was about. Yeah, and you, you write in here, you said, um, of course, it begins, Dear Chase, but halfway through, I think that God puts people in our lives as a gift to us. We send you to school to practice being brave and kind. Kind people are brave people. Brave is not something you should wait to feel. Brave is a decision. It's a decision that compassion is more important than fear. Mercy, let's go. So <laughs> I good. I love it. <laughs> so, so much. Um, wow. Compassion is action. Compassion is not something we hold in our heart. Compassion is something that comes out of our fingertips. Yeah. Man, yeah. that's a meal in itself. Uh, thank you for that. So, um, Every truth teller, every artist that's dialed in, you say it leads to some type of action. Um, and you've started this this nonprofit called Together Rising. Um, I really wanted to put a spotlight on this today and for you to share with our listeners um, the heartbeat of Together Rising and what's going on there. Yeah. Well, it started... I mean, when it really got to be a thing was this one day I was, um, I was feeling really grateful to my community online, just grateful. And I decided that in response to that feeling of gratitude, I was going to log on to my email and just do whatever the first person asked me to do. Cause people were always asking me to do things, um, for them. So I logged on and I read this beautiful letter from this woman who was working at this teen mom house, mother house in Pennsylvania, no, in Indiana. Um, and she had this incredible program for homeless teenage moms. Um, but she was so upset because the night before she'd had to turn away a 14 year old girl who had a baby with her Mm. and she actually had a room for her, but because of the financial red tape, she couldn't let her in. She was just heartbroken. 
And so I thought, oh my God, this is what I can do. I can get this girl into the house. So I called her and I said, all right, this is Glennon. This is what I want to do. I'm going to pay for it. We're going to get her in. How much is it? And she said, it's going to be $87,000. And I said, okay, well, we're going to need a new plan. New plan. Um, I don't know how I'm going to slip that yeah. one by Craig on the credit card. Yeah. So yeah, we're, we're going to need a new plan. Yeah, yeah, this isn't just a one night thing. This is actually a really, <laughs> really big thing. Dang, here. dang. Okay, so, but I'm telling you, like, when I feel these things that I think they're supposed to be right, like, I do not give up. I yeah. cannot, I, I'm like, there has to be... The, there's a reason why this, I'm here, right? So so over time, over this conversation, I figured out, wait a minute, maybe this isn't about me at all. Like maybe, wow. you know, we always say at Monastery, the most revolutionary thing we can do is introduce people to each other. Right. That's it. Like bring people closer to each other. So I thought, oh my God, I actually have the most giving, amazing community on earth on the computer. Maybe if I just introduce them to, to this, this story. House, Deanna, yeah, maybe it'll take off. And Ashton, So so that lady and I, um, Sarah was her name. She and I stayed up like all night and wrote this amazing essay about the house, about the girls there, about the babies, about this little girl that needed a home. Um, and the next morning we launched it on the blog and we called it a love flash mob. Um, cause like at the time I was obsessed with those flash mobs where one person right. starts dancing and then everyone starts dancing. Cause I think that's such a good metaphor for life. Totally. It's like, totally. You know, we're just all walking around so boring and thinking we're disconnected. And then one person starts dancing and everyone already kind of knows the the, the moves. It's almost like we are made by the same choreographer. Like yes. we just all know the moves of joy and we just start jamming. So basically what happened was I launched it. I said, okay, no one's allowed to give more than $25 because I felt like that was the magic because I think people don't give because they just don't think that they're – donations are going to mean much, you know, like they think giving is for rich people or that they won't make a difference. My little, my little piece doesn't count. Yeah. 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 And also like, I wanted to level the playing field for people who, you know, for whom $25 is no big deal. And for people for whom that's a big deal. You know, I just wanted it to be like a community effort. So that day, I don't know, we had like $80,000 in like two hours. Oh my gosh. Like, the, 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 you know, average donation was $17. It was just all over the world. And anyway, those have grown and grown. And the last one we did for the refugees, um, we, I, I had Brene Brown and Rob Bell and Liz Gilbert and Cheryl Strait join our Love Flash Mob and our communities raised, I think it was $1.4 million in 24 hours. Incredible. And, and it's all, it's all small donations. You know, it's people sending 10 extra dollars or whatever. And I just, it's this small, it's the idea of, you know, small things with great love. Like we can't do any big things by ourselves. Um, but together, man, it's yeah. just becomes this incredible movement. So together rising, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's a, it's the, or- we've, I think we've raised $5 million now. Um, it's an wow. organization wow. that exists to, to serve women and children in crisis. And the, the crazy thing about together rising is that, <clears throat> It's run by me and five amazing women named Amy and Liz and my sister, Amanda and Allison. And all of them, even though this work, because it's so big, takes up hours and hours of their day, they all run it volunteer basis. Wow. So every single penny that's given to Together Rising goes to families in crisis, which is kind of unheard of. So, so Ashton, I don't know. I think that's my life. I think every word that I speak or write is really about Together Rising. So beautiful, so inspiring. Um, and so maybe someone here today had never really heard you or your thoughts and the way you see the world. Um, who would you invite to the Glennon conversation, to Momastery, to Love Warrior that comes out in September? Uh, I, I really, I really, really believe uh, that at the center of you and the center of your work, um, there's just, there's beautiful energy to, to be equipped um, and to have a fresh pair of eyes to experience your days with, um, who, who would you invite in, into the circle? Um, maybe, uh, maybe someone's story that's having a hard time. Maybe someone that's trying to figure things out. Who, who would you say, Hey, come on in. We want to have you come on board. I mean, one of my favorite quotes from this mystic said, um, I thought I was alone who suffered but I went up on the roof and saw every house on fire. Wow. And that's one of my favorites. That's what I've learned at Monastery is that, you know, we're all like in our houses and in our lives. We're all just 
trying to figure out the same stuff. And, and, and it's so tragic because we're doing it privately because we have shame about it all. And so we're all like reinventing the wheel, but life actually is not that surprising, hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like the same crap happens to all of us, you know, like our, we lose friends and people die and our marriages crumble and um, our businesses fail. And like the same things happen to all of us. And there's nothing to be ashamed of about any of it. It's just life, you know, like life is not hard because you're doing it wrong. It's hard because it's designed that way. Because if life weren't hard, we would never need each other. Okay, we're so freaking stubborn. We would just do it all ourselves. And we would never have to reach out to each other and say help. And the thing is that the best part of life is needing each other and being needed. That's what the magic is. It's not being amazing. It's not being perfect. It's not being shiny. Like, it's it's actually admitting your needs and waving your little white flag and saying, I need a tribe to walk through life with. So I don't know. I guess anybody who needs a tribe. Totally. That's we are. Of, like, messed up, funny, laughy, sad, hot messes, I guess, is what we are. I would say if if you've heard this and you've felt alone, if you feel like there's some type of chain on you, if you need some oxygen, monastery. Glennon Doyle Melton is who you need to go take a listen to and who you need to read. Um, so inspiring. I mean, uh, on behalf of your tribe, like, let's just give you a big tribe hug. Um, if that, if we can do that through podcast, I don't know if that's feasible. Yes, um, I love it. My first podcast hug. Your first podcast it. hug. Uh, but so amazingly grateful uh, for you, Glennon, um, for your generosity and coming on here and sharing with us. If we want to send people your way, what's the best? Where do you want us to direct them? Momastery, uh, Twitter, Instagram. Tell us where you want us yeah. to go. Okay. I would come to um, Instagram or Facebook. So I'm Glennon Doyle Melton on Instagram and Facebook. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, I am. Glennon Doyle Melton. Um, you can come to Twitter, but I don't know what the heck I'm doing there. So <laughs> Whatever happens not- on Instagram ends up on Twitter. Okay, yeah, something like that. Every once I try to tweet, it doesn't go well. It's not my best showing. So I think that you should come to Instagram or Facebook or momastery.com and just read and see if it's for you before you come to our social media sites. But we're kind of old um, ladies, so we, and men, so we're mostly on Facebook. There you go. (laughs) Beautiful, beautiful. Well, um, this was an absolute joy, and it was covered in good, good stuff that I know people are going to take with them from here. And and I hope, uh, I, I hope you enjoyed your time. Cause I sure did. Ashton, I did. Let's stay in touch. You are amazing. I love this conversation. It needs to continue. We need part two one day. We do. We so, do. I just loved every minute of it. I felt like I was just talking to a really old, smart friend, not old, <laughs> like old. I mean, like old, like we've been friends for a thousand years. Beautiful. Well, right back at you. Um, ladies and gentlemen, Glennon Doyle Melton, you can find her at momastery.com. Uh, thank you so much. And, um, hope to give you a big hug down the road. Amen. Thank you, Ashton. Love to your girlies. Okay, Glennon, we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Glennon as much as I did. Oh my goodness. Uh, so, so full so rich she is one of us here at let the music play um and what a joy it was to have her with us we mentioned about a part of one of her books uh that was a letter she wrote to her son chase uh the day before he began third grade uh and and i wanted to end the show today with just reading a couple snippets of this i'll really read the beginning and the end um but i think it is a beautiful reflection uh of um, her incredible insight uh, and really um, just a beautiful picture of reality. This, uh, the heart behind these words, um, I just so happen to believe uh, that the same heart is behind us, is with us, is for us, and is ahead of us. Uh, So as you approach this week, um, may these words fall on you, uh, whether you're in third grade or whether you're a hundred years old. Um, Know that this heartbeat follows all of us, uh, and it's a beautiful, beautiful thing to hold on to. Dear Chase, tomorrow is a big day. Your first day of third grade. Wow. 
When I was in third grade, there was a little boy in my class named Adam. Adam looked a little different. He wore funny clothes and sometimes he even smelled strange. Adam didn't smile, he hung his head low, and he never looked at anyone at all. Adam never did his homework. I don't think his parents reminded him like yours do. The other kids teased Adam often. Whenever they did, his head hung lower and lower and lower. I never teased him, but I never told the other kids to stop either. I never talked to Adam, not once. I never invited him to sit next to me at lunch or to play with me at recess. Instead, he sat and played by himself. He must have been very lonely. I still think about Adam. I wonder if Adam remembers me. Probably not. I bet if I asked him to play just once, he'd still remember me. I think that God puts people in our lives as gifts to us. The children in your class this year, they are some of God's gifts to you. So please treat each one of them like a gift from God. Every single one. We don't send you to school to become the best at anything at all. We already love you as much as we possibly could. You do not have to earn our love or pride, and you can't lose it. That's done. We send you to school to practice being brave and kind. Kind people are brave people. Brave is not something you should wait to feel. Brave is a decision. It is a decision that compassion is more important than fear, than fitting in, and than following the crowd. Trust me, it is. It is more important. So don't try to be the best this year. Just be grateful and kind and brave. That's all you ever need to be. Take each of those classmates of yours and your teacher too. You belong to each other. You are one lucky boy with all of these new gifts to unwrap this year. I love you so much that my heart might explode. Enjoy and cherish your gifts. And thank you for being my favorite gift of all time. Love, Mama. As you approach this week, may you walk with holy awareness and realize that we belong to each other. That gratitude is a decision. Bravery is a decision. Seeking out beauty is a decision. And know that there is an energy behind you that has a heart that's saying, do not fear. Go, love, love well. And when that doesn't work, love again. And when that doesn't work, continue to love again. We belong to each other. We belong to each other. So as you approach this week, may you pause by the orchid, listen to the bluebird sing, and be love.